You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and my mate, Arthur Parkinson. Today, it's just the two of us, actually, we've got no guests because we want to cover something really, really important, which is so key at this time of year, and it's to try and jolt you all into taking it seriously. And what it is, is autumn sowing. I definitely find there's massive gains from doing autumn sowing, both of cut flowers and some container plants, which we'll talk about, and also a few veg. So I'm a great fan of the autumn sow. Are you, Arthur? I think, yeah, increasingly, actually. I think it's nice to sow in the autumn when things are a bit calmer and you don't feel you've got to have every inch of windowsill space with a seed tray on. I think it's it can be a time where you can be really selective and just think about the season ahead. I think it's really useful to think about your bulbs as well because quite often I'm having to combine things. I, I, most of the stuff that I sow in the autumn is classed as a pot topper, which we've mentioned in, in previous podcasts, rather than sowing it as a row in the cutting garden. So, um, yeah, there are some things that if I didn't sow in the autumn, I'd, I'd very, very dearly miss to see in the spring, particularly as as companions to tulips and, and spring bulbs. Yeah, I mean, yours, I mean, Viola's, the pansy family, it's getting a tiny bit late, isn't it, to sow them, but not not too late. To be honest, I mean, violas, I do find a little bit tricky with germination. I do do a few from seed if I can't find the varieties as a plug. Okay. But more more this time of year, to be honest, I'm, I am trying to order in things like viola tiger eye quite often as a plug. If I've got the seed, and I've got the seed this year, actually, my mum, bless her, she's been saving the seed pods in anticipation so i've got a lovely little brown envelope of milliard viola tiger eye and that's fresh seed so hopefully it will it will germinate violas like it cooler so hopefully we will get good germination out of out of those from that seed tray yeah so those are for your pots and then i would add skyzanthus to that the the, Mm. the one called dr badger and i find if i sow those the last week of august or the first week of september so we've got to get our skates on Yes. They are just such a lovely. I'm afraid you do have to keep them inside in a in a greenhouse because um, ah, they're not. That's why I've not grown them. Yeah, they're not completely hardy. <laughs> I was getting excited then. They were one of those things that the Victorians really, really loved because, of course, they had those incredible glass houses with those mm. amazing metal stages for plants for terracotta pots, and they would be full of pelargoniums uh, with tons of flower all the way through the summer months. But mm. from when the, the toffs wanted to uh, toffs. Sort of wander through their glass houses <laughs> in the winter, they needed something particularly over Easter time to make it look amazing. And I remember going to Audley End and being introduced by the head gardener there to, to this whole family. And they flower at Easter. So if you sow them really? now, yeah, sow them into a seed tray and then prick them out straight into a nice terracotta pot and they will be mm. in flower at Easter. They're, they're quite floppy, so they do need a little bit of birch or, or hazel um, staking, but they're so worth it. So even if you're not at off and you just have a greenhouse that you want to look lovely in the spring or you want to bring some houseplants in, Skyzanthus, I, I passionately recommend. 
as I do Linaria, the toad flax family. And I would treat them in exactly the same way. So sow them now. And actually, they often might be in flower for Christmas houseplants. And, you know, it's just really? a scattering. So, yeah, they're, they're just would brilliant. Would they survive on a windowsill, do you think, if you didn't have a greenhouse, a cold windowsill? Just a few plants? I do. I really okay, do I'll think they would. And, and I just put a very, very stingy pinch of seed straight into a terracotta pot. And um, I've had huge success with those. But anyway, we started at the sort of rum end in a sense, because I was thinking we were going to be talking about mainly cut flowers and the benefits of oh. cut flower autumn sowing. No, but it's good that you've taken us to the <laughs> window ledge. And as we know, quite a lot of people live in a cottage, not a farmhouse, and quite a lot of people have 16 by 17 foot like you rather than an acre and a half like me. So um, I am not only one for the um, rolling acres. Uh, But what I would say with autumn sowing is I just want us to explore for everyone the benefits of doing it. And then we'll come back to what I think are the real absolute must-dos. But definitely the thing I've learned over the whatever 26 or 27 years I've been growing stuff from seed quite fanatically, um, I'm a great seed enthusiast, is that you get a bigger plant if you do it in autumn sowing. So if it survives, not all of them do. They need to be hardy annuals and not all the hardy annuals survive, particularly a cold winter like we've just had. But if they do survive, you get this thing that can honestly be three times the size, not just in height, but also in girth. And I think it's particularly Amimagus, the lovely bishop's flower, If you sow that in March or April, you will get something that might get to 75 centimetres and it's quite skinny and quite wimpy. Whereas if you sow it now and prick it out or put it straight into the, I wouldn't direct sow it, but I would would prick it out straight into the garden, you will often get something that's over 10 foot, so like three metres high. It's absolutely incredible and it needs to be planted 45 centimetres apart. I mean, it gets to something that's a stonker and it's Utterly beautiful at that scale. Yeah, I wish mine looked like that. Mine aren't like that because they were spring sown. Yeah. So they're wimps. They're wimps. Yeah. No, <laughs> it, it definitely what I'm saying. And the other family that I find is absolutely critical in terms of scale that you add from autumn sowing is the cornflower family. Yes. And again, if you sow them in spring, they're lovely things, but you'll get something that again is sort of 75, maybe up to a meter. And it's the width and the productivity is pathetic. Whereas something that you sow now, you will get, I mean, I've got some cornflowers that were sown last autumn that are coming into flower now. So late, so incredibly late because it's such a late year, but they are well over my height. So I'm five foot nine or whatever, and they're, they're well over my head. And so they're actually grown up through a double layer of jute netting because otherwise they'd flop about. But they're stonking and they are massive plants. So again, 45 centimetres at least in how far I space them apart. So yeah, definitely bigger. And then of course you get earlier flowering. So you love Cerinthi like I do, don't you? Yes, I do. Although I've never been able to overwinter that, I have to say. Really? Yeah, and it always, I think the thing about where you are, so it's a bit more sheltered. I've, right. I've longed to have it in like window boxes, it's like winter foliage. And it always, by January, just looks like stewed cabbage. Oh, does it? Moth eaten. Okay. I, I have to say, half the time I end up pulling it out because I just can't bear to look at uh. it in the dank mumps. But I should, maybe I should try and grow some in decent sized terracotta pots under a nice cloche. Okay, it's that just might be what an I, was, idea. I was just going to say yeah. that if you're finding that, 
I don't think it means you don't do autumn sewing. I think it means you do autumn sewing, but you put it either under a cloche or even in a cold frame. So in mm. your tiny garden, I know that's difficult. Got to get a cold frame. I really somewhere. think you do. It, you know, even if it's sort of out by the bins or something, it would be w- so worthwhile having a little cold frame where you can put Cerinthia into a two-litre pot. So then, mm. because it, then in, in March and April, when the worst of the frosts are, are finished, you can put it out as a pot topper and it'll be in flower with the tulips. I mean, that's the thing. So they just flower so, so much earlier. And I, I find them one of our most invaluable foliage flower fillers with tulips. But I wouldn't get that if I didn't do the autumn sowing. So that is definitely something that is a big factor for autumn sowing with me. And then I'm afraid it's a bit of a list that I want to go through to pack in the info. I know... Arthur and I have this quite funny debate about this podcast, which is I like info and he likes chat. We both like both, but the emphasis for me... Which is ironic because when we have a guest, I hardly talk. (laughs) It's true. But um, anyway, the next thing I've definitely noticed is better disease resistance with autumn sowing. So for instance, if I sow certain antirhinums in the spring and they go straight into the stress of sort of heat potentially or drought and then have to be pushed into flower really quickly i find they get they can get rust whereas if i do an autumn sowing and then protect them in a cold frame and so i've got a really good root on them by the time i put them out in march april because of course they're they're not 100% hardy but they are hardy in a sheltered spot i get no rust at all so you know for me that's another major factor and they're so much taller. I remember seeing Liberty Crimson a few weeks ago now in the cottage garden at Sissinghurst. It was as tall as a foxtail lily almost. Yeah. And apparently they hadn't pinched it out, but they were from an autumn sowing. So they become, as you say, different creatures to little things. They're so much bigger. And you already mentioned the other advantage is, is um, this is becoming quite calm you know september is quite a calm month there's a lot of harvest to do but we haven't started doing massive bulb planting yet so i find it's quite a good time of year to have you know one gardening job for a morning on a saturday or something and doing that autumn sowing is a good thing and then my final point (laughs) of why i bother to do it is that you've got stuff to look at through the winter so just like you mentioned with pot toppers that's why I love Cerinthi, because I can go out and feed the hens and I walk through the annual cutting garden and you know, I've got all this foliage, if not flower, but at least I've got the ammy leaves and the larkspur leaves and the cornflower leaves mm. and the, you know, da, da, da. And so uh, covered in frost or raindrops or even snow, because they're hardy, they'll survive. It gives some sort of topography to the garden rather than it just being bare earth. So if I had to think about it, those would be my sort of five reasons why autumn sowing is a is a really good thing to do, I think. Definitely. So you don't do it, so I'm just I'm I'm gonna keep talking. <laughs> well I do. I, the only thing we've not mentioned yet is kale. If you've not oh, sown yes. any kale yet, I passionately recommend kale red ball. I mean at this time of year the wonderful thing is even big kales, they just don't have time to get big. So that makes them bonsai. I've spoken about this before, but it's yeah. worth saying it now. Yeah. And I, I really am looking forward to, I've got quite a few new dolly tubs in this new garden here. And I really want to look out the window and see lovely little islands of kale all during the winter time Because I know no other gardens will have that because people don't think of, of doing veggies as pot toppers. I mean, I've, I've tried and failed several times now to do rainbow chard as a pot topper. 
I think that needs to be sown a little bit earlier than autumn, but maybe Sarah, you disagree. Yeah, no, um, I, I, August, I, I think August, ideally. Yeah. But the kales do seem to get going just enough for them to survive the winter and they're, they're, nice, they're a nice size for a pot. So yeah, kale, sowing your kales now. So maybe we'll, we'll move on to veg then and other veg. So utterly, utterly crucial for sowing at this time of year would be all the hardy winter salads and the hardy winter herbs. And uh, you can leave it till the end of the month. But if you're going to be doing a morning of sowing, I would definitely add this to it. And what I'm thinking there is a few, uh, one or two varieties of hardy winter lettuce. And there are plenty, but I would say my favorite two are black seeded Simpson, which is crunchy, and Merve de Cat Saison, but not good French accent, which is soft. And they're both really hardy. And then some hardy salad leaves for really good flavor. So salad rocket and perhaps Mitsuna and possibly a mustard. And then the soft green herbs, coriander, flat leaf parsley, and chervil are absolute must-dos for about now. And they will really transform your autumn meals and winter meals right the way through until next spring. And then, of course, I would do some sowing, a late sowing now of some edible flowers. And genuinely, if you sowed either a calendula or a nasturtium now, because they're so quick from seed to flower, you'll be eating them this side of Christmas. And so they can decorate your winter salads all the way through the rest of autumn and, and well into winter as well. And that, they're jolly and they're, they're nice things to have. Yeah, you definitely can't have too many calendulas. That's another thing I want to try this autumn as a, as a pot top. I've not never seemed to sow them in the autumn and I really fancy having them again as, as pot toppers and hopefully they'll be out with, with the tulips. I want to sow um, a packet of calendula neon this autumn. And then as well as neon, there's that one from that family which has actually been bred to be hardier and there's a yellow oh, one it? called Snow Princess. Oh. oh yeah, that one. And if if a plant has snow or frost or ice in its name, that's often an indication that it's actually proven to be quite a hardy variety. And oh. um, I found Neon and Indian Prince quite hard to keep through a oh, winter. Bother then. But Snow Princess, I, I, re- I really do recommend. I think it is colder where you are. It's yellow though, isn't it? Don't think I want yellow. No, I know you don't <laughs> like yellow. Well, I do, I do like it. I'm just not sure... Would it would it go well with Venetian coloured tulips? Because it'd have to be in the pot top. But anyway, yeah. it might look nice with kale red ball, purple yeah. and yellow. So yeah, we could have a go. And so um, salads and herbs, and then as you say, kale. And then I would do one of the quicker chards, I think. So I I definitely think it would be worth doing the chard called Lucillus, which is Australian, which just seems to be quicker to germinate. And I would definitely do a sowing of that now. And I always think that if I had to feed the 5,000 uh, chard lucilus or any of the white or green stem chards would be really high up my list because even through the winter, if you pick them right, they keep cropping. And what I mean by that is you need to move from slicing them off to picking just the outside leaves. And then what happens is that the central heart gradually gets raised on a sort of tree trunk that central stem becomes really hard and sort of almost woody and it lifts the crown of the plant away from the cold, clammy soil and makes it much more hardy. And so I find for the winter veg patch, they're really invaluable. 
And it's getting a tad late to sow them now, but I think it's still worth it because you can always pick them for baby leaf for salad as well. Any others you're going to be doing? I wonder, would you would you sow parsley, last sowing of parsley? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we like parsley, so... And it's just so horrible, you know, if you've not got these things in the wintertime, you do end up buying them. Yeah. And you know that they're from a packet grown in Spain or Morocco or somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, herbs, I think, are good. I just wonder, should we just say, if you're seeing things like sweet williams and wallflowers in the garden centre, now's the time to buy them? Yeah, good idea. Yeah, get them out. Because I always think that the sooner you get that stuff into the garden when the soil is still warm and moist, the sooner the roots will get down and the hardier that plant will become or, you know, will prove to be. And it, it's definitely true that if you see a seedling of any of those biennials, foxgloves, whatever, it, it, get it now, not in a month's time, and get it into the ground now, into your pot now and into the ground. Yeah. And the, the final one, whether ornamental or edible for me, which is an absolute must so, is spinach. And for this time of year, you really don't need to fuss too much about which spinach, as long as it's tasty. Because as it gets colder and wetter, spinach stops bolting. And so I find Madania, which is a big, huge, soft, tender, green leaf variety, is absolutely fabulous for now and will crop right the way up until the first hard frost, which here often often is nearly at Christmas. And then I also would go for the one which has a red stem called Rubino. And that seems to be hardier here. So we can have that with frost and it'll carry on producing outside. But of course, if you have a greenhouse, half of all these plants, whether they be the lettuces, the salad leaves, or spinach or chard, should go half under glass, or even if you have a plastic cloche and half just out in the open. And then if we have a really brutal winter like we had last winter, very cold frost, very late then things will do better under glass. But if we have a really warm, mild winter, then things will do better outside because they'll bolt inside. So then you've got belt and braces. So if you have some glass, it's important to use both of your situations. And sowing this week will really make the most of, of both those spaces, both in the cutting garden, ornamental border, and in the veg plot and you'll get maximum productivity until next spring. So it's a really worthwhile thing to do. So the final thing to talk about is, of course, the recipe for the week. And for me, undoubtedly, when I'm getting a bit of a glut of tomatoes now, I'm not quite keeping up with the cropping of tomatoes, and I'm not absolutely sure that all the ones outside are going to ripen from green. So I do my first batch of chili jam, and that is basically making a jam. But I use brown sugar, not white, and I use lots and lots and lots of tomatoes, both green and not, so ripe and not ripe. And I cook it down for ages with a few chilies, and you then get this lovely, treacly, delicious jam. I'll put the full recipe in the fact sheet, and it stores for really longer than a year. And it's wonderful with sausages. It's wonderful with a bacon butty, but it's also wonderful with things like halloumi, if you're vegetarian. And if you're vegan, I absolutely adore it with things like kale and sweet potato burgers because it gives a sort of fragrance. And you put lots of spices in there too, lots of cumin and coriander seed 
and cardamom, and it's absolutely delicious. So I'll definitely put the recipe up to encourage as, as many of you as possible to make that recipe. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and listening to us banging on and trying to encourage you to do autumn sewing, particularly me, I have to say, (laughs) banging on that is. But next week, I'm not going to be part of the podcast because Arthur is going to be chatting to my husband, Adam, about what they both like in the garden. And also Adam's going to talk about rock pools as gardens, which is something that he's actually more into (laughs) than gardening. So see us then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahaven.com.